Today we're going to enter into our series on the Christmas classics and we're going to talk about probably, if not the most popular Christmas carol, one of the most popular Christmas carols, and that is going to be Silent Night. Silent Night is considered by many to be the most beloved Christmas carol of all time. It was written by a priest named Joseph Moore in the year 1808. And he wrote this song as, uh, according to what I've been able to find, he was on his way back to the monastery or his dwelling quarters on a cold, snowy winter night. And as he was making his way back to his house, he began to marvel at how peaceful and how quiet the night was. And he began to think on the birth of Christ. And it was in those moments that he began to pin the words to the Christmas carol, Silent Night. It was interesting to note that this was written in 1808. This is at the time of the Napoleonic Wars. And what they tell me was at this time, across Europe, there was a vast shortage of food. There was a shortage of, of grain. People were hungry. People were uncertain. They didn't know if, if Napoleon was going to come in and conquer their homes and their countries. And so there was a lot of unrest and uncertainty in this particular time. And the words that this priest penned became a reminder of hope and a reminder that that there's still a savior that loves and cares for us. And, and it brought comfort in a time that was rather dark and dreary. The only problem was, was that when Mar wrote the pen, the words, the organ at the church that he was uh, assigned to, the organ was broke. So he had this wonderful song penned, but no music to put it to. And so he went to a friend of his by the name of Franz Gruber. Franz was the choir director for the church of St. Nicholas in Obendorf, which is where Silent Night would first be sang. And Franz, knowing that the Christmas Eve service was coming and that there was no time to fixed the organ, picked up a guitar, and he began to put lyrics to this song. And on Christmas Eve, when the people gathered to hear Father Moore's Christmas Eve Mass, they sang this song while Mr. Franz Gruber played on a guitar. It became the most beloved Christmas carol in Austria. As a matter of fact, they said that the the king declared that that song to be played before any Christmas festivities because of its popularity. Today, Silent Night has been translated in over 300 languages. It's sung every year, and it serves as a reminder of the birth of our Savior. Now, some of you are thinking, I didn't sign up for a history lesson. I, I can tell the look. Some of you are already starting to get that head bobbing thing going on, you know. I'm sorry we don't have the 
We don't have the desk in front of you where you can put your head down. I spent many an hour with my head down in travail, not in history, but in algebra. So I know, I know the signs. I once was one of you, still am one of you at times. But we're going to relate this to where we are today. You see, much like when Moore penned the words to this song, his society was in upheaval, his world was in turmoil. When Christ came, the world was in turmoil. The world was in upheaval. Rome was conquering all of the world. The Jews had been conquered by the Romans. They were slaves. They were servants to Rome. And their society was based on a dictatorship, much like Napoleon was trying to impose on the world. I want you to notice a pattern here, ladies and gentlemen. There is always a spirit that is trying to disrupt. Always. We look at our society today and we say, it can't get any worse. We have it worse today than we've ever had it. I want to point out something to you. The same spirit that was around when Christ was born was the same spirit that was wreaking havoc in the world when Silent Night was penned and is the same spirit that you and I are contending with in our culture and in our society today. So how do we relate this? Well, Silent Night reminded a, 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 a society and a, and a world that there was still a Savior in the midst of hard times, in the midst of uh, of lean times economically in the midst of uncertain times of war in the midst of all of these things and I've just come today to remind us that in the midst of a war going on in the Middle East in the midst of uh, economic uncertainty in our world in our country in the midst of wondering what is going to transpire God is still in control if there's ever been a time where we stop and we just reflect on who he is, what Christ has done, it's this time of the year. Silent nine, holy nine, all is calm, all is bright. Those are not just casual words that we sing to enter into the Christmas era but they have a true meaning and they ring a sound of hope and of a better time that is coming. It amazes me when we're talking about the same spirit that was dealt with and interacted with in Christ's times and in the 1800s. Napoleon was obsessed with the Roman Empire. Particularly Charlemagne. For those of you that know your history, Charlemagne was the one who would embrace politically religion and welcome in the Christians. And it was not to end persecution and give religious freedom, but it was to strengthen the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was going through a time where they were deteriorating and Charlemagne was doing his best to create alliances and ties and fortify a crumbling empire. So he embraced Christianity and he made it legal. 
Napoleon was known as a man who respected the Catholic Church, the power of France, not because he was a Christian, but because he could wield that influence and that power over the people, and he could get what he wanted. We live in a day and in an age, ladies and gentlemen, when there is a spirit that if we're not careful, if we're not awake, if we're not paying attention, will be used to manipulate the church so that it can have power and control. That's why I've got to be praying. That's why I've got to be watchful. That's why I've got to be vigilant. Same spirit, different, different year. Thank God we don't wear wigs like they did. Thank God we don't do some of the things that they did, but it's the same spirit of the age. Jesus told his disciples, he said, when you see all these things coming, when there's wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, disease, famine, he said, the end is coming. All of that took place. We've been in the end, on the verge of the end for a very long time. It's not time to say, well, it's never going to happen. But it is time to realize that if the rapture does not happen and I'm granted a span of time, I'm 42 years old. I never thought I would see 42. That was an ancient number when I was a teenager. But it's gone by like that. What I'm going to do for the kingdom, if the Lord should tarry and not come back, if I don't step up and do it, my opportunity is going to be gone like that. I don't have months to wait and say, well, one day I'll reach my neighbor. One day I'll go out of my way and I will prepare a meal for them and I'll get to know them. And, and it keeps getting pushed off and it keeps getting sloughed off because I'm busy. If I don't make time for kingdom things now, I'm going to miss my moment because time goes by. It seemed like it took forever to get to 18. The years went by so slow. And then I turned 18, and I graduated high school, and I started life. I went to, went, to, went to tech college, got out of there, went to work, and the years got faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. And at 42, it's a blur. I end Christmas, and, and my, my little ones are thinking, man, it's going to be forever before Christmas comes. And I'm thinking, no, it's not. It's just around the corner. Silent night, holy night. Where's the money for the presents? It's okay, we're just talking about Christmas classics. I know we're kind of all over the place, but I believe that that's, if this doesn't relate to us, then what good is it? There's a joke going around on social media right now. I come in the other day and my wife asked me, she said, babe, how often... Do you think about the Roman Empire? Have any of you been asked that by your spouse recently? I'm one of the nerdy ones that said, quite often actually. Most men in this study were found to think about the Roman Empire, some aspect of the Roman Empire, they think about on a week weekly basis. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? Many times they said that they likened where we are today in our society to the Roman Empire. 
right about the point, if you want to get technical, of where Charlemagne stepped in. There's a lot of uncertainty right now in our world because we're kind of hitting a pivotal point and there's some strifes within our, within our country. And it seems like that there's some tangible things, some, some, some moral principles that we've been founded on that are trying to erode away. And I'm not trying to get political, but I do want to set the climate of where we are today. It seems that there is a massive, massive push to be all-inclusive, all-accepting, all-embracing, don't talk about sin, don't discuss the, the, that, there's, that there's life changes that need to be made so that Christ can, can, can do his work in your life. It's, it's more about let's do what we can to strengthen the empire and put all hands on deck, if, if I can just be honest and blunt with you. We're not that far removed from where Mr. Moore was and Mr. Franz Gruber when they penned this. This song so eloquently written and so masterfully put to music has been discussed as having been composed by Mozart, perhaps by Beethoven. And when it was discovered that a lowly priest and a humble choir director had put this song together, it was shocking. Because it's so masterfully done. I want to tell you something. God knows how to masterfully put something together in the midst of your chaos that gives you hope and peace in the storm. We often come down on Simon Peter for not having enough faith. But one of the things that I've enjoyed about Simon Peter's story when Jesus came to him on the water Simon said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. I never read where the wind stopped, where the disciples had quit fighting the waves, where they had quit bailing water. They were very much in the storm. Yet Simon said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And the Lord said, come on. In the midst of one of the most terrifying times in his life, the Lord said, Simon, if you want to get out and experience a moment where you get to walk on top of the thing that is driving you nuts, come on. In the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the uncertainty, God sends something, a word, or a moving of his spirit where he whispers, would you like to get out of the boat? I know you're still fighting the storm. I know you're still bailing water. We're not out of it yet. But would you like to have a moment where you just kind of go time out? I'm going to take a break, and I'm going to have dominion and authority over the thing that's been giving me fits. This song served as a reminder to a people that were struggling and floundering that, hey, I still have dominion and authority still a silent night, a holy night when I came. We look at the peaceful and the serenity of that night. I love going out when it snowed or snowing at nighttime. It's peaceful. It's just a quiet. Seems like the whole world just gets still. 
imagine that's what it was like for Mr. Father Moore when he was walking back to his parsonage, that quiet, that stillness. And it was in that moment that he said, you know what? I'm going to write about this. I know we bumped against some spiritual things this morning, but I want you to understand something. In Ephesians 6 and 12, the word of the Lord says, For we wrestle, wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I'm not trying to get way out there on you this morning, but you do realize this is a spiritual battle. Christ's coming when, when he was born, it was a spiritual declaration of war. It was a quiet night. It was a holy night. It was a peaceful night. But in the spirit realm, there were shockwaves that were being sent. Because what had once held men captive, the Lord said, I'm coming back to redeem them. I'm coming back to purchase them. The potential, the hope that was in that bundle that that mother laid in that manger was so significant. This song, Silent Night, is very unique. Probably the only song that has ever been sung across a battlefield that caused men to remove themselves from their trenches and walk out into the middle of no man's land to shake the hands of their adversary. During World War I, it is said that on Christmas Eve, 1914, as darkness began to settle, that a man would stand up in the German lines and he would begin to sing as loud as he could across all of the horror, across all of the pain, across all of the death, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round young virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild. He sang that in the German language and it said that across the way, on the English side, that there was Brits that began to stand up and they began to sing in English, Silent Night, Holy Night. And as those words were sung, men began to climb out of trenches. And for a short moment of time, it said that the Germans and the Allies crossed no man's land, shook hands, exchanged pleasantries, and had a moment where they were human again before all the carnage took place. That's, ladies and gentlemen, is the power of this Christmas classic. That in the middle of chaos, men being blown apart, men dying, the horrors of what was taking place, as that song began to be sang, it began to draw the attention. Men quit firing. Men took a moment to pause and spend time being human again. Kind of ironic. He came to this world 
to bring back clarity in our lives. He came to the world in the midst of all the carnage, in the midst of all the death, in the midst of all the things that were transpiring. He was born to bring hope. Yes, he was going to die. Yes, he was going to suffer. But he was going to do that so that in the midst of our mess, we could hear a message of hope that would cause us to begin to climb out from where we are and make our way to him. Nothing will make you love your neighbor like he can make you love your neighbor. How am I going to win my world if I can't love my neighbor? Matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, Jesus asked the rich young, young ruler, he said, he said, he came to him, he said, what do I, what, what I have to do to inherit eternal life? And he said, um, honor, uh, have no other gods before me, love your neighbor as yourself. All this I've done since my youth, I'm good. Okay, well, I'm going to test you. Sell all that you have. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. Can't do that. Why? Because there's limits to where I'm willing to go. What I'm trying to do in this season is remind us that loving our neighbor, loving the people in our town and in our society that nobody else wants, nobody else is willing to take a chance on. That's one of the greatest things I can do. Jesus didn't come to minister to the upper echelon, the elite. He spent most of his time with the ones who had no hope, who felt like they were in the trenches, if you will who felt like they were clawing and fighting for every inch that they could get. He came to give them hope. We're entering into a season right now where we have the opportunity to step in and give somebody hope in the midst of despair. What, is, what, 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 what does Silent Night look like for us? For some of you, when I said that, you automatically went to your house at Christmas, having a Christmas meal, being surrounded by your family, and singing that old Christmas carol together. But I believe that Silent Night, in its proper context is me going out of my way to reach for somebody who's still got bombs dropping on them, who's still huddled because there's, there's bullets, not physical bullets, but life is shooting at them, and they feel like they can't even raise their head without getting hit. When was the last time when has there ever been a time? And I'm not stepping on your toes. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to relate something to you that I felt very strongly in myself. 
When was the last time that I took the time and prepared a meal to take it to somebody who has nothing and offered that? That's, that's what that carol's talking about, giving hope in the midst of chaos. It was written in a time where everything was in upheaval. It wasn't a year of plenty. It had been, they had been absolutely devoured and depleted by the war, that, the, the wars that Napoleon was waging. But there was still hope. There was still the promise of a better day. I love this church, and I'll tell you why I love this church. I've watched as we have become a selfless church. Where it's not all about me, but it's about my world. And all I'm saying is in this season of life, I don't want to get distracted and it just become about me and mine. But I want to take the lesson that's been placed in this old Christmas carol and I want to begin to reach even further right now. One of the hardest things they tell me for soldiers is to be away from their family on the holidays. One of the most trying times that any soldier will have will be being away from their family being stuck in a hostile environment and missing their family. That's what these young men were experiencing between the gassings and the bombings and the shellings. If you're familiar with history, machine guns were introduced during World War I and the toll that that took and the carnage that that produced was incredible. Men would jump out of their trenches and they would begin to run across a field only to watch their buddies and their comrades blown to pieces and laid waste. It was leaving psychological wounds as well as it was leaving physical maimings and death. One of the hardest times is being away from your family. Well, what is the church? It's the family of God. And so the hardest time people are going to have is when they don't have a church family and they're in the midst of chaos. You see, the people that we come in contact with every day, ladies and gentlemen, they carry wounds. Some of them perhaps physical, but many, 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 many times it's the wounds that you can't see that hurt the most. It was very common when this song was written, when the French army would come in. And not only would they pillage a place, they would rape the occupants of a city. They would destroy the families. They would put them under the foot of Napoleon's empire. So when Silent Night was written, it was written to a people that carried all kinds of scars. We're dealing with people who carry scars.
and wounds that you cannot see, that you can't tangibly go in and bind up and fix. But I want you to notice something. This child that was born, this, this Christmas carol that talks about this child that was going to come, he said this of himself in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. What's he talking about? He's talking to a people that have been occupied by the might of the Roman Empire. They understood the language that he was that he was speaking to them in. Yes, it was scripture that he was quoting, but it applied to them in a very real sense. Give them beauty for their ashes. Oil of joy for mourning. That's what he came to do. That's what he's come to do. The whole premise behind this song is just to remind us that we have a Savior. And what he said was, I've come to touch, to heal, to restore, to mend, to give beauty, to bring joy, to bring life. He said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. We fight the same spirit that was occupying the earth when he came. I don't believe that it was a coincidence that he came in the height and the might of the Roman Empire. Because when you look through history, everybody that has that they're drawn back to that. Why? Because it's more than just history. It's the spirit of the age that was involved and entrenched in that society. And we still wore it today. We still deal with it today. We still fight it today. And what brought hope back then is still bringing hope for us today. So when I stand there and I sing Silent Night, holy night. All is calm. All is bright. I hope it takes on a different meaning. I hope it touches and hits just a little bit different. I hope it causes me when I'm out and about and I'm getting ready and I'm going through my day. I hope it causes me to pause and reach for my neighbor. I hope it causes me to stop and realize that there are people that are still very much hunkered down trying to survive life. And it causes me to take some pause and introduce them to a God that loves them. Come to heal the blind the brokenhearted, the broken. He didn't stop 
and reaching for the, the ones that society totally gave up on. I want to see a man that society had completely abandoned. That was the demoniac from Gadara who was living in the tombs. It always fascinates me. The scripture said that he had been bound many times and he would snap the chains. It says that he had been bound, but no, not with chains. That's what scripture says. He was bound. Make no mistake about it. You just couldn't physically bind him. Because the pain and the, the stuff that he was dealing with, it caused him to rant and rave and vent and he could blow through the physical barriers. But it was because he was bound on the inside. And everybody gave up on that guy. Nobody wanted anything to do with him. We would call him a cutter in our society he stayed in the tombs, cutting himself, moaning, crying, screaming. Had issues. Somebody wants to deal with the issues. Jesus came for him. Went all the way to, get to Gadara, stopped, made one stop to touch a man that had no hope. And then he turned around and got back on a boat and went the other way. Maybe this season, he wants to use my life, because the scripture says we're his hands and his feet. Maybe he's wanting you in this season to work through you to touch somebody that has no hope. They have nobody because nobody wants to be around them because nobody understands what's going on up here because it manifests itself in outbursts, profanity. You label it and you put it out there, whatever. Jesus said, I've come for them. That silent night, holy night you're pinning about, that's for them just like it was for you. John 10 and 10, Jesus said, the thief comes not but only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I am come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. He said, I don't want to just come and, and give you life. But I want you to experience life to its fullness. I have a lot of people experiencing life, but they're not experiencing it to the fullness. And he said, I want, I, there's stuff that's been stolen from you. There's stuff that's been killed in you. There's stuff that's been destroyed and pulled down in you. But understand this, I don't want you to just live I've come to give you life, but I want you to live it to the fullest. Why is this Christmas carol so popular? Because it, it serves as a reminder that there's a life that you can live that's a lot fuller and richer than what you have right now.
So in the next few weeks, we're going to dive into these classics. We're going to look at them. We're going to talk about the history of how they got here. We're going to put a biblical slant on them so that you can see kind of a little bit, maybe a little insight into where this individual was that penned the words on these. How many of you would be on it? I'm going to flip gears on you here. I know it's kind of heavy right now, but it's, I think sometimes we need to be reminded that we have a mission and a purpose on this life, in this life. How many of you, let me just ask this, how many of you have started listening to Christmas music? You'd be honest, in October? Anybody? Chuck, gotcha. How many of you have started in November? A few more hands. And how many of you are holding out for just a little bit longer? We're not going to explore the history of Jingle Bell Rock. (laughs) Or all I want for Christmas is you. But some of these old songs, they were penned in a time that reflects and bears digging into. Because it serves us kind of as a reminder, not kind of, as a reminder to us that there's a lot more to this season than presents, trees, lights. It's about hope. It's about a God that loved us so much that he came wrapped himself in flesh and came to die for our sins. And when you began to look and you began to see the history and the context of some of this, we're really not that far removed from the people that penned this song just a few hundred years ago. And they wrote it because they needed hope and they needed light. And this year, my hope and my prayer is, is that outside of these walls, we bring somebody hope and somebody light. Would you stand with me this morning? We're about to take a quick break and then enter into our main service. But could we just pray together? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. I thank you, God, for the opportunity to, to just feel your presence and experience what we felt in the last few minutes. God, I'm asking that you would do a work in us, that you would help this time of the year for it to cause us to reach for our neighbor, be more attentive to our world. God, I'm asking that you would be with us. I'm asking that you would guide us and keep us, direct us, order our steps, Lord. I love you, and I thank you for all you've done. I pray you'd be with us, and everybody said amen. God bless you. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back into our main service. Thank you so very much for being a part of First Word.